I give them a, a bunch of questions. So like, what were you thinking while you were doing this? Uh, what were you feeling in your body? Like with, with the different sensations, uh, if you were doing it and um, you, you really didn't want to, what was going on for you? If you didn't do it, what was happening for you? And so there's there's lots of questions like that that are they're drawing the person into their their own experience mm -hmm. and encouraging them to look and not not be afraid to look because I, I'm looking back even with myself it's before I started being self-reflective there was a bit of a fear of what was I going to find there and I think that's a pretty common fear is that oh I'm not going to like what I see. And, and the interesting thing is that just about everybody likes what they see when they finally look. Hello, and welcome to Phone a Crone. Author and gemotherapist Lauren Hubley and artist Christine Terrell are calling up creative, wise women all over the globe. Listen in as these women share their stories, knowledge, and insights about where we are, what's next, and how to connect to our own deep ancestral wisdom. Hello, I'm Lauren. And I'm Christine. And we're here today with Lois McNaughton. But before we dive into this juicy conversation that I'm certain that will unfold, I'd like to set an intention um, between the three of us, but also on behalf of all of our listeners and inviting our listeners today to listen in with that special ear that will allow you to take away a nugget of wisdom that is being discussed just for you. And if that opportunity arises down the road that you pass that along to a fellow journeyer. So Christine and Lois, Looking forward to what happens next. And I'm anxious to hear what you have to say, Lois, about how you define your work today. How I define my work today. Um, well, I guess first off to, to define it in, in terms of I'm a developmental coach. And that means that I help people gain the capacity to do what it is they want to do because they you can look and say I really want this in my life but I've got no idea how to get there and so in the ability to be able to look at a person and understand where they are and where they want to go and be able to just to, to look at like what are the steps that they need to take along the way and then to be there with them along the way you know because really with coaching it's it's about the relationship between the coach and the coachee and that's the space where things really happen so that relation building that relationship is probably the most important aspect because that's what allows the person to relax into uh their work with me mm. yeah lois how does coaching differ from therapy well, in therapy, quite often we're looking back into the past. And uh, and it isn't that in coaching that the past doesn't matter, but we're not trying to fix the past uh, or, or so much come to terms with the past as to learn how to move forward now. So what are the capacities that you have that you need to build on so that you can make your life the way you want without having to delve into the, the hurts and the pains that have happened for you. So there's not that excavation that we have in therapy. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the past is present at times and then that, and that's where you work with it is, is what's, what's showing up now, not happened. What happened when you were 12 or four Right. Does that does that ever trip people up though? Do you find that in that in the coaching piece that sometimes you're stymied by some of that stuff that hasn't been worked through? 
or in those yeah in and in those cases the it, the best thing to do is, is to refer a person to a therapist, mm -hmm. because if that's going to be uh, a real detriment to being able to, to move forward, then they do need to go and do that work first. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious how your work, how this work of coaching has evolved and, you know, how it's transformed you through that. It's, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, particularly uh, the coaching program I went through is Integral Coaching Canada. And in that program, we have to do our own work. So that they, you're not going to get through and get certified if you have not done your own work along the way. So um, moving through, say, even when I very started, I'm an extremely introverted person. And uh, the being able to to learn to work with the introversion in in a successful way, um, uh, and, and actually make it an asset for me through that uh, through all of the work that I had to do. I think that would probably be one of the biggest things that happened for me, along with the willingness to keep looking at myself and um, understanding where and when I need to do my own work. And then being willing to do it. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. the tricky part. <laughs> uh, you mentioned well, integral co coaching. Sorry, Lauren. I was just, I just thought maybe listeners might want to know a little bit more uh, about that. Okay, so integral coaching Canada is, um, it, it's a coaching school that uses integral theory as as its basis, and integral theory is a way of understanding what's happening. And so through the lenses uh, that we use, there would be um, things like Enneagram or looking at people's lines of development, which is, we don't all develop equally. So a person could be cognitively functioning at a very high level and emotionally at a very low level. Um, and they might say be somatically, they're somewhat aware of what's going on for them. And so being able to understand sort of where a person's coming from, uh, that actually through this program, learn how to work with what a person's strengths and, and look at where they needed to boost up some, some of their capacities. And, but then you're really working with like, what's the thing about this person that is so strong that I can use them to help them work through their own uh, program uh, in, in a way that suits them. It isn't that I've got some sort of pattern that I use. Everything is is um, custom. So it's like if, if a person comes to me and they've got this particular issue, it might be the same as something that I've done with another person, but the program is going to be completely different because it's what they need. Uh, Christine, do you have about 500 segue questions? Because I do. Yes, uh, always. <laughs> yeah, this is so rich, Lois. And, I, I, you know, rather than continuing to go deeper, I want to just broaden this a little bit. I'd like to go back to this term you use, developmental coach. What what does that mean? It means the, um, well, it's... It's like if you think about children and when they're learning to walk and so they, they start to be able, like they start, they start, they can sit up then they can pull themselves up and they, they can crawl. And there's all of these steps that they need to go through to get to be able to walk. And that doesn't change for us when we're adults, when we want to do something different, we need to start at the beginning and then build our ability and learn how to do what it is we want to do. It's like, it's like if you wanted to go out and dance tango, right? You need to go and you need to do sort of the basic and I need to learn where to put my feet. And then as you progress through it, you can move through to where you can get fairly smooth at it. And everything that we need to, we want to learn to do that's different requires that sort of 
I go out and I try something new. I see how it works. I learn from it. And then I can add to it. I can step it up a little bit, try something else new. And so the developmental coaching works on that premise is we're building the ability to do what we want to do. So there's a real strength in it. And, and the person is then, um, there isn't so much of a possibility of failing. As, you know, if you just go out and you try to do something, you go, well, that didn't work. And then I never do it again. But if you, if you take these baby steps and ease your way into it with support, it becomes far more possible. Hmm. Yeah, Lois, what would have prompted an introvert like you to want to be a coach? Be a coach. It, it, it's interesting that the um, what what I really get fulfillment out of is helping other people improve their own circumstances that and so when things get better for the people I'm working with or the people around me that is enriching to me and and so it's because because there is a part I mentioned the Enneagram and for anybody that knows the Enneagram I'm a, a type five and there's one aspect of the type five um, that has a very social element to it it, it want, wants to connect with other people. But there's another aspect that's going, no, no, no. What are you doing there? Stop that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Too close. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but then you reach out again. So, um, but that that really is, the, it, that's a very nourishing thing for me to be working with people and see things get in Hmm. I was just thinking about like from the uh, like a healing aspect because I think there's an element of healing in all coaching but the healing isn't about curing it's about maybe coming to terms with and understanding what's happening in a way that you can uh, have fulfillment in your life and so when I can help people gain that fulfillment in their lives it comes back to me in spades, call it in spades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you feel like the, how you work when you're working with people, do you feel like you have a particular superpower in the, like in how you help people discover what it is that they're, what's next for them? What's next for them? Um, Thinking about that, um, so there's two things that come up. It's presence and listening. And as I say that, I realize that listening is part of presence. It's so, it's that ability to hold the space uh, and really be there with the person uh, so that they know that I really care about what's happening for them and that it's all okay whatever's happening is okay what do you think um or 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 what that open up to this idea that you would be a good listener and could hold this presence that's interesting because what actually what brought me into coaching is uh, I'm a Reiki master and early on in my practice of Reiki I would have people on the table and there'd be these huge emotional events happening and I'd be working on them and I'm going like what do I do with this I, I felt quite lost as as to how to be there for them uh, at that time and so I went and I took a um, an emotional fitness coaching program, which so because I thought, oh, I better dig into my own emotions here if I don't know what to do with these people. So that um, that really was what launched me in this direction. So it was it was a need on my part to be able to cope with what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think? 
help has helped you become such a good listener? Well, that emotional fitness course to begin with um, was really all about uh, listening in your presence. And the, it, I realized it was a really comfortable place for me to be. Um, ah, I'm, um, this is an interesting uh, experience for me because I'm not a person that talks about myself a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm always much happier if other people are talking about uh, what, what's going on for them and, and uh, learning about different perspectives and, and, and different ways of, of managing in the world. So um, it, it felt comfortable. It felt like the right thing for me. Interesting. When you're working with folks, do you have a particular thing you hope is a, a is it is a takeaway for them, or is it really back to that very customized thing that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, it's. Um, I think initially it would be that they become comfortable with self reflection and their ability to, to look at what's happening for them so that they can start to listen to themselves. Uh, and, and as they develop that capacity to listen to themselves, they need less and less uh, uh, help and, and like assistance from me. And actually what's really exciting is I, um, I develop uh, practices for people and in, initially in a program, I'll put the practice together and, and, and give it to the person and then explain what they're going to do. But sometimes with clients is to watch and when we come to an end of a session and they start developing the practice for themselves, even so that they, they, they're learning how to do this for them, for themselves. And that is really exciting. Yeah. This idea of the value of helping folks listen to themselves, this is a thread that goes through all forms of healing, right? That That's the first step. Um, how do you how do you do that? Like really in a practical way, Lois, because we live in a world that really supports us not listening to ourselves. And well, so when I develop practices and so I, like I talked earlier about going through cycles of having people go out and they try something new and then they learn from it is in the learning about it, I give them a, a bunch of questions. So like, what were you thinking while you were doing this? Uh, what were you feeling in your body? Like with, with the different sensations uh, if you were doing it and um, you, you really didn't want to, what was going on for you? If you didn't do it, what was happening for you? And so there's there's lots of questions like that that are they're drawing the person into their their own experience mm -hmm. and encouraging them to look and not not be afraid to look because I, I'm looking back even with myself is before I started being self-reflective, there was a bit of a fear of what was I going to find there. And I think that's a pretty common fear is that, oh, I'm not going to like what I see. And, and the interesting thing is that just about everybody likes what they see when they finally look. Mm. So, uh, so it's a bit of a hurdle to get over. But there are these ways to, to help people do that. And it's, it's a gentle way. You know, is it even in the, well, you didn't do it. What did you learn from not doing it? You know, that uh, sort of approach. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What you just said had, oh, I know what I was going to ask. In the very beginning, you said, you know, you help people figure out how to do the thing that they want to do in, you know, in the world. But my first question was, do people actually know what they want to do in the world very often? Do they do they know that when they come to you or do they just know that what they're doing now isn't the thing? 
<laughs> yeah, quite often it's that they know what what they're doing isn't working uh, because people they don't come into coaching when everything's going really well. They come in because things aren't working. They aren't working the way that they used to. Um, but usually people come and and in medicine they call it a presenting problem. They they they've sort of packaged what they think it is. And so in conversation, because when I do an intake conversation to begin with, it's about an hour and a half. And I have like a lot of questions to ask about uh, sort of what it is that they think that they want, why they want it, what difference will that make in their lives uh, and looking at what they're doing now. And as we go deeper into that, things start to surface and it can also change through the coaching program is a a person will suddenly realize that, Oh, this is what really matters, but it's, it could take several coaching sessions to move through what they thought it was to what's actually going on. Interesting. Yeah. Lois, I, you've been at this for a while and, I wonder how your, there, this question actually has two parts. Is I wonder how your approach to people have, has changed. Is there something significant that you can say, I used to do it like this and now I've learned this is actually more successful or more compassionate? I would say that... Um... It, the how I am is the what has changed. Mm. Uh, when I first started, I was like using the method methodology and the structure of the methodology um, in in a fairly um, I'll call it rigid way. I, I was I was going through the process, and over time I realized that what I really need to do is just drop into the space with who I'm with and see what they need. And I, and then allow that methodology to support me. Uh, But it's not out in front anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like underneath holding me. Um, So it's just, again, I guess that goes back to the presence is like, it's just, just be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, just be fully there and don't don't think that there's anything that I should be doing or that there should be a specific outcome like so all of the shoulds have dropped away yeah what allowed you to do that um it was actually was interesting because uh a few years ago I added retirement coaching certification to my uh portfolio and I had asked several other coaches that I know to to be my uh, volunteer clients as I went through the program and I was I actually felt a little bit nervous about coaching with them and that I sort of had to perform a little bit on some level and uh, I was working with one of them and I went no just let it all go and and the result was was really quite amazing and and then it just from there i realized that's just what i really need to do for everybody yeah. do you consider yourself an intuitive and do i consider myself an intuitive i didn't but people kept telling me i was so intuitive so i started paying attention to it so well, yeah, I do pick up on things. Yeah, because okay. yeah, I was, as you were explaining how your process has changed a little bit, it sounds very, like to me, it sounds very much like an intuitive process, right? I think we talk about, no, you know, learning more and knowing more and being practiced at something as being, you know, a learning thing. But I also think there's a lot of intuition involved there that I'm not sure that we I'm not sure that we grant for ourselves very often sometimes. So I was just curious what your take was on that. So 
and well learning to trust that learning to trust that this like a question arrives and you're going like I'm not really sure where that question came from but I guess I need to ask it you know so uh, it, and and picking up on the um the what's not being said like not being verbally said uh so that uh that that helps people hear themselves a lot better too so yes I think intuition's a, a huge asset when it comes to coaching Lois I'm going to go off script and ask my intuitive question um what do you think it is in this new time that people need most right now? I think people need to trust themselves. Uh, and I think that's very difficult uh, because the, uh, the what's surrounding us and what supports us, all of the things that we've looked to uh, feel very shaky. And so the ability to turn back and go, no, I'm I'm actually okay. Um, that that I can look after myself. Uh, I think that would be kind of the power for people to develop. Yeah, to trust themselves. How did you come to trust yourself? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> You know, there's 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 always a part of me that's that's known I'll be all right. Uh, that that somehow whatever's happening is moving in a direction that will work out for me. Um, I'm I'm not really sure where that came from. It, it, it it's even in like like coming down with. Uh, I don't know anything even like back with measles and mumps and all those things is that yeah it was just it just get past it so uh, so there's something innate in there for me um but also the have you know having to um become comfortable with that around other people who are uncertain um and and would like and because they're uncertain they're not necessarily comfortable with certainty yes. <laughs> it's interesting i would think that your certainty would be a comfort to those that are uncertain but you're saying that's not your experience it sometimes puts um the other person into question about why then are they are they not knowing mm. like um if I'm feeling chaotic about something and it's almost or very upset about something, it's like you should come into that same uh energetic spin with me. Sure. And if if you're not going to be in that, maybe there's something a little wrong with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've we've all seen that in the past couple of years for sure, right? If you don't get wound up about things, um that can be threatening to people that do like to get um, wound up about them. Yeah. And at the same time, Christine, is that um, sort of that, uh, that calmness and a healing presence can have a, a, a huge impact on an individual or a group uh, when they're ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can you make people ready for that? Is that something that you have to practice in your profession? Like getting people there? To get more comfortable? Yeah. To to, to let go, to, to relax enough uh, to allow that, yeah. They can definitely build the capacity to do that. Just because they, you know, you can like be working I've been thinking about working uh, and uh, with a, a client in, in their office and being across from a gentleman and you could see that his whole body, his legs and everything were twitching at the beginning. 
and and like working through that hour and a half uh, and doing things to just help him settle into the space so that he could do get what he needed from the session. So it's um, but but there needs to be an allowing on the other person's part. I, I mean, we had a question about how do you stay grounded and embodied, and I was trying to figure out how to tie that in. There seems to be a question there about you're in the presence of somebody who is not, you know, embodied. How is it that you yourself stay there and, you know, in your own embodiment through in those particular sessions? And then just, I guess, in general, given the headiness of what you practice. I think it's partly recognizing what's mine and what's not mine. Um, so like if another person is extremely agitated, that is their experience in this moment. And that if I actually do get in that um, energetic space with them, I'm not going to help them at all. That if, if I can stay calm and centered, um, I give them something to react to and, and I, and that if they're willing, they can then calm down with it. Um, so, but like for me, then just to go in knowing it's not mine is just, and that I, I need to hold me, my space. Um, and that that's where I'm of most value to them and to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are there any practices do you do, Lois, that that in that moment that keep you there? The I I I've started sometimes at the, in the beginning is just to like feel my feet on the floor. Yeah, and and actually just like move my toes so that I like that real um, connection with the ground. Uh, to, just for the stability of it. Um, it isn't something that I, I need to consciously do anymore. But initially it was like, just remember uh, where I am. I would actually, thinking about this too, is like going back to the integral coaching training is this idea of having a strong spine and, and a sort of a, a soft, open uh, belly is that I know where I am in my spine and yet I'm soft and open enough to whatever is coming towards me from the other person uh, that I can sense into that without losing myself mm -hmm. so that that is was something that got practiced a lot yeah Lois I I have a hard time marrying this beautiful, compassionate approach that you're presenting with what I see a lot in the coaching world. Um, there's a lot of coaches that behave like a personal trainer. You know, you come in, I'm going to assess where you are. Here's where we need to go. And you only succeed when you can do X, Y, and Z. You have purposely not chosen that path can you talk a little bit about that the um i think when you equate it like to to sports coaching that that's it's a really good analogy um i want i want to have, have a more holistic experience with a person and i think the other thing is like just like you you if you look at it just from a skills perspective, um, it doesn't take into consider the the sort of the mental, emotional, spiritual components of a person. Uh, the, it's treating them almost more like a, a, a robot. It's like just this learning how to do. Um, and so, I want the whole person to grow because, a, you know, a person can go out and they can learn sort of a skill 
like that about around a specific skill and they might be better about that specific thing but it isn't necessarily transferable out into other aspects of their life and when I'm working with a person I'd like to see that whatever it is they're learning uh, is something that they can start applying in the rest of their life and so if, if a person comes back and they're talking to me about a practice that they were doing and then they start talking about something else that happened. I then have the opportunity to say, well, look at look at where you were applying what you're learning in these other circumstances. And so it's it, it offers them a much broader um, foundation mm -hmm. uh, for their entire life. Not, not just I need to be better at this specific thing. And then in that kind of coaching is totally appropriate for certain circumstances. Yeah. yeah but I can't help but think there, there's a couple of things that are coming up for me around this. And one is that feels like a reductionist model versus a holistic model. But then there's this whole other theme and it came up in some conversations I had at a conference this last weekend about um, trauma inducing intakes among mm -hmm. healers and it doesn't matter if you're practicing homeopathy or you're practicing coaching or any type of spiritual coaching we can still induce trauma by not holding space do you have some thoughts on that yeah yeah because well that's even in just in the way that we ask questions mm -hmm. if you, we can ask a question such that a person can feel like they're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like well somehow well if that's not, you're not doing this i guess you failed at that and so but the other thing is that we can ask questions that do trigger a trauma in a person if, if we're not careful about like listening to what they're actually telling us and and and, and sort of paying attention to how they're responding to what what they're sharing um, so that there's a, a, a sort of a, a treading a careful line in an initial conversation um, to sort of really figure out where a person is rather than I've got this checklist of questions that I'm going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm guilty as charged as a, a homeopath. I, I used to have a checklist and I followed it. And now I, I realize I'm, and you know just how traumatizing that was you know this or that just tell me you know and I, and I think that the world has supported those models you know so we can move people in and move them out and what I'm hearing from you through all the threads of this conversation is you know we're in a time where we we need to just show up differently in the way we work yeah, I was just thinking about like some of those questions because I've been on the receiving end of some of those questions from practitioners, and then sometimes you just go like, "I don't know," yeah. and then there's it, then there's a feeling of like, "Why don't you know?" Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's I think so much of this goes back to just that the holding the space to make it possible for the person to do what they need to do uh, like how do I create as a healer how do you create the space for the person to heal rather than do what they're supposed to do <laughs> wow <laughs> that's pretty profound Lois you know it's interesting for me as you as you both are talking I the the phrase slow down to speed up came up for me and it sounds very much like your practice Lois is about and it's interesting because I feel like the world in general is speeding up in a way but it seems like what we're learning through these conversations is very much about slowing down right and it does seem like your coaching is really about in many ways showing people how to slow down in order to go forward yeah and well it's interesting that you're mentioning that because they're um, 
think people quite often want really quick results. Sure. And, and, and the, the type of coaching you were talking about, Lauren, can, you can get some quick results. Yeah. I know how to do that now. Um, the work that I do, it sometimes it take, it can take almost six months sometimes to start really getting some traction where things, it shows the change is happening because there is that slow, slower period of getting to know oneself, uh, getting to know what's in the way and uh, being ready to release uh, some of those behaviors, some of those thoughts so that new ones can take their place and being ready for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So yes, very much slow down. Mm -hmm. And you're right. And then, and then things move quite quickly. Yeah. Are you seeing um, folks coming in for, at a, in a different place than you did a couple of years ago, or maybe different people that would normally seek out this kind of support showing up? What, what are you seeing as a trend right now, Lois? Well, I, well, I think that all of the, uh, the disruption has put people in that uncomfortable place where they don't know. And uh, so I think that it's, um, it's caused more people to be willing or to recognize that they could use some help mm -hmm. uh, because they really don't know what to do uh, and, and, and want to be able to do something for themselves. And I think that that's the biggest thing with coaching when someone comes in is they need to really want something for themselves because I've, I've worked for a business where um, clients have been sent to me because they've been deemed to require coaching and <laughs> they're not there because they want to be initially. So it can, it can take quite a number of sessions to get them to recognize that this is actually you know, be a value to them, but to stay in that mindset, they, they would never, uh, they'd never take advantage of it. So that, that the desire for the betterment of one's own life is really important in this. Christine, like, is it, is, I'm just I wondering, it, sorry, I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, I could keep talking to her for an hour. So we better, <laughs> we better. I think it's lightning round time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so these are generally short answers, but they're not always. So you do what works. So um, what's one thing that you are looking forward to? Um, well, actually, um of my 50th wedding anniversary is coming up this summer and we are going so, okay on our honeymoon we went down to Waterton Park as part of our honeymoon and we stayed at this beautiful old log lodge which subsequently burnt down and so I was out, I was looking to see what might we like to do and there's this um, site called Charming Inns of Alberta and I'm looking through the charming inns and I see that they have rebuilt the lodge. No way. So, oh. Oh. Seemed very timely. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, that's really lovely. Um, what's one thing that you still want to learn about? Well, something just came on my radar just recently about aging the aging body and movement mm -hmm. and um, ways that people can move that are beneficial hmm, that aren't necessarily exercise that it's back to where your activity is part of your life rather than oh I'm going to go to the gym for this as much as I love Zumba um, you know and doing that I would really like to be more conscious of what I'm doing all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, actually, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, and then what's one thing that you do as a regular daily practice? Daily practices. Meditation. 
I've been meditating for many, many years and various ways of meditating. Uh, they actually sitting, I have a meditation chair and uh, actually sitting in meditation, but also um, more passive forms of it, meditation, like uh, binaural uh, tapes that you can buy. There's, there's, uh, I awake and hollow sink and, and those, and they actually meditate you. And, and even, uh, if you have earbuds in, even if you fall asleep, it's still meditating you. And so, uh, I've not heard of that. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really good for people that haven't ever meditated yet, or they're uncertain about it. Right, because they're going to get the benefit of it um, with, without actually having um, to sit and, and try to meditate. Right. It seems like a this seems like a cheat, but I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for what works. <laughs> Me too. Lois, thank you so so much. I I feel this was such a rich conversation that I think I'll be replaying for the rest of the day, um, probably with follow-up questions. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you for having me here today. It was a lovely conversation with the two of you. We are so grateful to our guests for making time to share about their work and their life so wholeheartedly. Stay with us while Lauren and I discuss a bit of what came up for us during the conversation. Wow, Christine, I feel like I just went on retreat. <laughs> She's got a very calm presence. <laughs> very. She does. It, I, I really, I, I am certain I've dropped down a number of of. of states into this beautiful calm relaxing place where um the pace feels very um soothing yeah 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 no for sure like i said towards the end that whole slow down to speed up thing definitely came up for me i was really you know it's hard right like it's su it would be super easy to be the coach that just keeps people right at that level and just right yeah. hanging out yeah. boom, 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 yeah. boom, right but it's it's got to be really hard to say mm, i'm gonna bring everything down right <laughs> you know well and to say it in and trust yourself that it's the right thing and hold that space to help them come down because i know she's incredibly successful in doing that with our clients. Yeah. 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 She's such a good example of going against the narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although I don't know that it is going. I think she's just leading the way, right? This is the new well, narrative. Well, to the new narrative. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's where we're going to find all the people who are leading the way, wherever they've been bumping up against, you know, <laughs> what was, what has been going on. That's where they exist, right? they're right. in that space so yeah no I really thought it was interesting I liked early on she said about she talked about it, essentially everything is custom you know like even though she has all these various skill sets and you know checklists and all of that stuff right like you know that's not how the world works right like everything is custom <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's not how we grow. And I think that, again, they, these are common threads we're seeing. And these women, they've understood at an early point in their career that people are individuals. <laughs> they all need to heal their own way, and healing holistically is really the way to go. Yeah, and there's a bajillion doors in. Right. Like each one of these women has had a completely different portal into this same exact space. Right. Like how do we get people to reconnect to themselves, be clear about what their own wisdom already is and use that to, you know, work towards what's next for them. <laughs> sure. Sure. I think um, 
one of the things that has made Lois stand out as a coach besides who she is as a human is this program that she went through. Integral coaching, Ken Wilber's work, really does stand out as unique and different and and really challenges folks to do their own work. And, and so then when you do your own work, you can show up differently. Yeah, yeah. Well, nobody else can do your work, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. You either do it. Yeah. Or you yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, but there's so many of these, you know, 90 day programs or, you know, six months send away, you know, and become a coach and and this is all great and um i am so all for folks learning how to offer time to hold space for for folks but until as a healer your work is underway i think that makes it you're bumping up against and you'll find yourself being burnt out and i mean lois what was the exact opposite of someone that is burnt out in this field i mean she is just glowing um, with this warm welcoming energy appear you know appearing rested and all the good things yeah yeah that's interesting huh yeah i can't really picture her as a anything other than what she is like thinking of her as some other type of coach it's I can't I mean maybe when she was younger she was a different way but it's really hard to picture showing up any other way than that really calm focused presence you know so yeah, yeah and her her message of trusting yourself that that's really the key message that's it right that's how we are going to move forward when and, and it's not me changing you yeah right. <laughs> it's me accepting me and trusting my own inner wisdom yeah right right and holding space for you to do the same right yeah 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 cool thanks christine yeah thank you thanks so much for listening all the way to the end we are so excited to be in conversation with these fascinating and powerful women. If you would like to work with them directly, you can find all the information you need in the show notes. You can also get in touch with us through our websites, lauren at laurenhubelay.com or christine at adaptiveruser.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. We'd love it if you took a moment to rate and review the show as well. It helps us connect to even more amazing women.